Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast on matters important to community associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. Many condo and homeowner associations have water damage, leaks, floods, etc. So today we're talking about water damage claims. What is covered by your insurance policy? Whose insurance covers a loss affecting more than one unit? And how do you deal with the insurance company? My guests today are Brian Friel, a partner with Smith Insurance Associates and a past president of our CAI chapter, and Jeff Crimstock, president of Benjamin Coburn and Company and chairman of CAI's Managers Committee. Both Brian and Jeff have a long history of involvement in CAI and working with community associations. So welcome, uh, Brian and Jeff. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. I'm glad you could both be with us. Um, this is going to be an interesting topic. Um, let's start with the first obvious question. What types of water damage are typically covered uh, in, with insurance policies or not covered, Brian? So, Tony, the answer to that question is, uh, generally speaking, that uh, interior water damage claims that are, that are sudden and accidental um, things like water hose, uh, washer hose bursts, uh, dishwasher eruptions, uh, hot water heater malfunctions, uh, things that happen suddenly and accidentally and cause damage to covered property uh, within the unit. Those are the most common types of water damage that our office sees. Um, things that would typically not be covered um, unless the association has a separate uh, flood policy. Uh, water coming from outside the building, surface water, whether it's rain or water coming from another source uh, that backs up into the building, uh, would not be covered unless there would be a separate flood policy in place. Um, we find that most associations don't buy flood insurance unless they have to. Uh, if they have to, they're in a, you know, a high-risk area for flood near a river or something like that. FEMA flood zone where it's mandated. Exactly, exactly. Um, so those types of uh, claims wouldn't be covered unless there's a separate uh, flood policy. The other part of claims that, that wouldn't be covered uh, would be things that have been going on for a long time. Uh, if you just have a drip, uh, say a leaky roof or something like that that you didn't address and went on for a year and now you look at it and you say it's been kind of going on for a while now that area looks discolored and things like that uh, adjusters go out and look at those types of claims and say you know that's not a sudden and accidental loss it's a it's a loss that's been continuous and ongoing and as a result it's it's not you know not going to be covered would it have been considered a sudden loss if they had addressed it right away yeah, I mean, it, in a case of a, like a roof leak, um, there has to be uh, a covered cause of loss that caused the roof leak. So okay. if the roof is just old uh, and it hasn't been maintained, and that's the reason why it's leaking, that's called wear and tear. Right. And that's okay. never covered by insurance. But if we had a storm and wind blew shingles off the roof and then water entered as a result of that covered cause of loss, uh, then you have a claim that would be covered. Okay. But if, again, even in that case, if they let it sit there for right. a year before they did anything about it, then we're going to have a potential coverage issue. So you need to be proactive and, and make sure your, your maintenance uh, crew is paying attention as well. Absolutely. Um, Jeff, what, what does a unit owner do upon dis uh, discovery that there's a leak, that there's water in their unit? What th what's the first thing they should do? 
The first thing you do upon, upon discovery of water in your unit is get to the water shutoff valve, uh, either for the plumbing fixture that is leaking or the main shutoff valve in your unit, um, if you're sure that it's a plumbing leak. If you're unsure that it's a plumbing leak, it might not help. It might not be a bad idea to get the water shut off anyway, just in case it does turn out to be a plumbing leak. The next thing you want to do is get in touch with your community manager or your building, your on-site building personnel, um, so they can help you determine what first responders are necessary, whether it be a plumber or a water remediation firm. So uh, depending on the scale, you mentioned water remediation firm, just depending on the scale of the leak, you might have to bring in a cleanup company. Um, Brian, who res who's responsible for initiating that aspect of the claim or the, the cleanup? Tony, it depends. Um, typically, it would be the unit owner. If you, if you think about this process, when somebody d uh, discovers that they have water damage in their unit, um, you know, they're turning off the water, and then the next thing they're doing is trying to figure out, you know, how, how they're going to fix it. Um, so if it's, if it's uh, isolated to one unit, typically that unit owner is responsible for initiating uh, the call to the remediation company to come out uh, and, and start the drying process. Um, the, uh, the unit owner could certainly call the management company to get some ideas, uh, you know, of, of companies that they could call to do it. Some unit owners may have no experience, you know, with this industry whatsoever, and certainly that's where the manager could, could be of assistance. Brian, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, the key to water remediation is timing. The quicker you can resolve it, the quicker you can get the water off the floor or off your walls or off of your furniture, the more likelihood there is that you can salvage your floor and salvage uh, salvage your unit uh, and mitigate any potential any further damage. So the key is get on the phone with either your insurance company right away and or your manager right away. If you're going to contact your insurance company, you're going to you're going to follow their instructions. They might tell you to get out a, a, a remediation company right away, or they might tell you to call your manager. Either or can help you to get a, a remediation company out there right away. Um, in a situation where there is a lot of water, from a management perspective, what we recommend or facilitate for our clients is get the company out there first. Get the remediation started right away. The chips will fall where they fall after the fact. We will figure out who's going to pay for it and how it's going to get paid after we salvage your home from further damage. Very good, very good point. And the, you know, the issue obviously with mold that sits there for days is that it gets worse and it can get a lot worse with, with mold and things like that that could have health effects on people living in the unit. Uh, so certainly timing is, is very important. Um, but as far as initiating, you know, that, that uh, call, you know, it could come from the unit owner, it could come from the management company. If there's several units that are damaged and common areas that are damaged, sometimes it would be the management company that, that makes that call. Would you agree? I, I would absolutely agree with that. I'd also suggest mold is a dirty word. Don't use mold around your insurance companies or your insurance adjusters. <laughs> so the key is call before the mold sets in. That's correct. M move quickly, as you, as you pointed out. Most definitely. But re the costs of uh, restoration are covered uh, within the policy. 
uh, you know, when the adjuster is out there cleaning it up, a lot of times in that same time frame, you'll have insurance adjusters visiting the unit at the same time to do their estimates of damage. Uh, so there may be some talk between the restoration company and the adjusters about what the scope of the cleanup is and what the costs are going to be. But, you know, within reason, insurance companies pay costs to dry and remediate uh, the area before it's rebuilt. One point to that uh, that often comes up um, from my perspective as a manager is it might take, and I know that we'll cover this later on, but it might take 24, 48, 72, or even more hours um, to get an adjuster out to the site to inspect the damage. Um, one thing that is important to know is first things first, document, document, document. If you're the unit owner, take pictures, take as many pictures as you possibly can um, during the loss, after the loss, and while it's happening because you don't necessarily need to wait for your adjuster or for the insurance estimate to come in before you start mitigating and putting your unit back together. Nobody, no insurance company out there expects you to um, to live in a, in, a, in a unit that is not hospitable or not habitable. 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 <laughs> you are not expected to live in a unit that is not habitable. Uh, and oftentimes insurance adjusters can reverse engineer the damage that occurred. But you don't have to live with a hole in your ceiling just because the adjuster has not been out there to make an assessment and provide an estimate. So it's important to take as many pictures as possible so you can make uh, not only your job but your insurance adjuster's job easier at the end of the day. Absolutely. And we, we certainly hope that adjusters would be out there within 24 or 48 hours uh, that would be what's typically expected in cases of catastrophes where there's lots and lots of claims. If we've had a big storm, certainly that time can get extended. So uh, moving on, one of the questions we hear a lot, and it's I think you hear it from home unit owners, homeowners, as well as managers, um, is whose insurance covers the claim? You know, there's a, there's a you're, let's say you have a high-rise building, and there's a leak on, in the unit above yours, and it damages, you know, the units on the floors below. Whose policy covers that? Whose insurance kicks in? So the important thing to remember about property claims, uh, and you're talking specifically about the, the HO6 policy. These are the policies that, that condominium unit owners have. Uh, these property insurance claims are first-party claims. And what that means is that if you own the property that was damaged and you insure it, obviously, uh, your insurance company should be the first to respond. So we have many unit owners that are involved in you know, vertical losses where a unit above causes damage to a unit below, and the unit below says, you know, this wasn't my fault. I'm not turning this into my carrier. Um, the reality is that uh, they need to turn it into their carrier because the unit owner above and their insurance company, they're not just automatically responsible for the damage that occurred below. Um, so you need to, both, both unit owners need to submit the claim to their HO6 policy and have them get, uh, you know, paid for their loss to the damage to their property. If the HO6 carrier feels that another party, another unit owner above, was responsible for the damage, they can subrogate, you know, basically go back to that, you know, company and say you're responsible for the damage to this unit and try to recover uh, that that loss. That's a good point, Brian. Uh, I I 
face this uh, scenario frequently, and it is extremely um, counterintuitive, as is most condominium insurance. It's, it's complex and counterintuitive, uh, and when you are the victim of damage in your unit that occurred or that with a source from outside of your unit, you never feel that you should be responsible. And it is frustrating to learn that you were responsible. But in fact, that is the way Pennsylvania condominium law uh, is written, as well as more often than not, your condominium documents. And taking that one step further, regardless of the source, regardless of your knowledge of the 25-year-old hot water heater in the unit above you or the party that your unit that the residents had above you and caused damage to not only their unit but also your unit it is not the role of the association nor the association's management company to establish responsibility or liability for the damage that is something that can be done by the insurance companies when they get involved so um, oftentimes, unit owners will look to the management company the, or to the association to establish that somebody outside, somebody other than them is responsible for their loss and their damage to their unit. But in fact, um, that is not the association's role, that is not the management company's role, and condominium documents um, do not provide for your neighbors or other association members to be responsible for damages that occur within your unit regardless of the source. Yeah, I think you just have to think of it as, you know, who, who's really the ultimate, uh, you know, decision maker when it comes to assigning negligence uh, or liability. And that's a very difficult thing mm -hmm. for anyone to do uh, because every situation is different. Uh, and the homeowners need to understand that while they think the unit owner above is responsible, you know, and should be held accountable, that's just not the way it works. They're responsible to insure their own property and improvements in their unit. If it's damaged, they submit it to their carrier. And if their carrier is going to pay them, they're the one they're paying a premium to, they're going to pay them for the loss. If they feel that they can recover from another party, believe me, they would do it. You know, insurance companies love to mitigate their losses, you know, as well. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people think of it like auto accidents, you know, like mm -hmm. if you have an auto accident, if somebody hits you, uh, in many cases, that person who hit you will pay, their carrier will pay for all the damage. Sure. Uh, property insurance is different. Yep. Um, unit owners pay for, you know, submit claims to their carriers and their carriers pay for damages in their unit. So let me ask a slightly different version of the, the last question. Let's say there's a there's a, uh, a again a high rise situation. There's a water tower on the roof owned by the association, and that leaks. Different situation, you know. There's 15 units below that get damaged. Right. What happens then? Well, I'll speak from an insurance standpoint first. Uh, from an insurance standpoint, it's the same situation as if it were you know a neighbor. If your property is damaged in your unit then you're submitting that claim to your carrier. Obviously, and this sounds like a big claim, so the master policy is also going to have an adjuster coming out and looking at the damage to the common elements and the damages to the unit that we insure uh, as well. Um, but what would happen in that case is if the association were ultimately you know, found to be responsible, you know, the HO6 carriers are paying claims to unit owners, and then they're saying, well, the association should have maintained that so they can subrogate against the association, 
in which case it becomes a general liability claim under the master policy. You know, it's it's property damage to third parties. Okay. Yeah, and and I, I've been through that frequently, and that is uh, a common common occurrence. It's oftentimes uh, the association's roof. It's oftentimes a common element that. Uh, that fails or leaks uh, and it causes damage in units other than common elements. Uh, and in those situations, the master policy, which is the association's policy, will need to interface um, with either one or more HO6 policies. Uh, and the HO6 policies will end up covering um, their insured's portion of the deductible. Um, and everything above the limits uh, for that particular unit of the association's master policy. Okay, good, good distinctions. Good, good. Thank you for that. So, I guess really only one question remains, uh, Jeff. How's the master policy deductible handled? The master policy deductible uh, is handled proportionately between the beneficial recipients of the insurance proceeds. So, if there is one or more units. In, involved in the claim, uh, what is going to happen is uh, the deductible will be divided based on the aggregate proportion, uh, aggregate percentage of the insurance claim. So, if my if I'm a unit owner and my unit is damaged, and the damage, the loss in my unit represents 25% of the entire claim or of the aggregate claim, then. I am going to be responsible for 25% of the association's deductible. Likewise, if I'm 100% of the um, of the loss against the association's master policy, then I am going to be responsible for 100% of the association's deductible for the master policy. So, in situations where the deductible might be a $5,000 deductible, and I am the only only unit owner involved, and I represent 100% of the claim. I am going to be responsible for that entire $5,000 deductible and I'm going to turn around to my HO6 carrier and I'm going to submit that claim to my HO6 carrier and the HO6 policy should be written in such a way that they're aware of what the association's deductible is and they're aware of what the, uh, the limits of the association's policy are so that the HO6 policy and the master policy can interface appropriately in a situation like that. Very, very good points, Jeff. And, you know, this is something that we try to communicate, um, you know, out to homeowners uh, at renewal or when we go to annual meetings is talk about the importance of having the deductible uh, covered by the HO6 policy. And for the HO6 carrier, uh, to understand that they are covering the deductible and uh, knowing what that deductible amount is. Um, you know, there used to be a time when the $1,000 deductibles were, were common in community association insurance. Uh, now we see generally the, the minimum deductible is 2500 oftentimes 5000 sometimes 10000 sometimes higher. Um, so obviously as, as that deductible goes up, uh, the importance of this issue goes up as well because we certainly never want to see a homeowner uh, have an uncovered loss. Sure. I think from both of our perspectives, um, some advice to unit owners would be each year when you purchase or when you each year when the association's insurance policy is renewed, 
it is important for you to communicate directly with your own agent for your HO6 policy. If your HO6 carrier has not reviewed or if your agent has not reviewed the condominium documents and the association's master policy, there is a very high chance that your policy is not going to interface properly with the association's policy. So uh, if your carrier is unaware of what the deductible of the association is or is unaware of what the association's policy is going to cover, you're, you're, you're shooting for luck to make sure that you're properly covered. And if we're uh, looking at words of advice, one word of advice, there are a couple words of advice that I would have um, is to try to avoid this happening, you know, in, in the first place. I mean, there's some things that you can do as a unit owner, uh, checking your washer hoses, uh, having steel braided washer hoses as opposed to the old rubber uh, hoses. Uh, those are things you want to, you know, look at and make sure that they've been updated, that they're not worn, that they don't look like they're going to explode. Check your water heater. Uh, if you have a water heater in your unit, they say that the lifespan of those uh, uh, units can be eight years. A lot of people think that they're 15, you know, so. Um, Replace you know. them before eight years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you want you want to look at those things. Uh, and then certainly, you know, we're in the winter now. We're recording this in the winter. Uh, and we've had a lot of frozen pipe claims. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if you're going away for the weekend or an extended period, you definitely want to uh, make sure that your heat is on and that your water main is off. Uh, you know, to prevent any type of uh, major loss. Especially with the single-digit temperatures we've had this winter. Correct. <laughs> and when the temperature changes and we get into the spring and summer, check your condensation lines for your HVAC unit. Make sure that your line is clear. There's no calcium built up in, in the line. Uh, and if you have a pump, so it pumps the, pumps the condensation into a drain, make sure that pump is working. Uh, but one of the um, most common causes of loss um, during air conditioning season is clogged or failed condensation lines. Okay, this was a great conversation on some really important issues. Uh, we've run out of time for today, but I want to thank Brian Friel with Smith Insurance and Jeff Crimstock with Benjamin Coburn & Company for joining me for discussing this uh, important subject. For more resources on this and other topics regarding the management or governance of your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. And thank you for listening.